Well, friends, you came back for a second week. Thank you. Uh, it's not really about me, and I know that, but it is nice that, you know, your second week as senior minister in the pulpit, you haven't driven everyone away so far, so uh, we're grateful for our time here. It's been wonderful. I just want to tell you, because I think you know this, but you need to hear it, just how friendly and welcoming you are. I hope that the Tidwells have felt that too as they've uh, been uh, attending here. If you're new, if you're a guest, we're just really glad you're here. And uh, this is a great place uh, to be, and our family has felt that. We, it, it, we're getting used to being back in Texas, and um, back in Texas for me, for them, you know, new in Texas. But, uh, boy, you know, I'm reminded how friendly the drivers are. Everybody says drive friendly. <laughs> Let me tell you, what's nice is, like, if I'm on, uh, let's say, Mockingbird, and I sit a little too long after the light turns green. Man, they are so, they're so friendly to remind me with their horn right behind me that I'm not going immediately. Uh, so I'm just, I'm grateful that they're on it. You know, they're helping us uh, to, to drive well around here. But we, we really have loved it. And we're grateful for all of you and for the opportunity uh, to, to serve alongside you and be here during just this beautiful season of the year and this a beautiful uh, facility and be able to be with you at some of your events as we celebrate uh, this Christmas season. So if you were to, I don't know, go uh, surf through your favorite cable news channels or shuffle through a podcast playlist or go to YouTube and go down that rabbit hole and you pick things in the religion category, you would probably find people talking about as many different versions of Jesus as content you are listening to. So for every one person, you'd almost get a different version of Jesus. You could find people talking about the Jesus who promises all sorts of health and wealth, and you'd find somebody else talking about the Jesus who demands radical self-sacrifice. You might hear someone talking about the Jesus who came to just accept anyone and anything and all kinds of behaviors. And you might hear someone talking about Jesus who came to essentially condemn everyone. You'd hear someone who is just dead certain that Jesus is a voting member of this party. And then you could almost just find someone else who is just as dead certain that Jesus is a voting member of another party. I was talking to a friend in ministry the other day, and he said that he was talking to someone who had recently left ministry. And they said one of the reasons they left is that they, they felt like they were almost preaching a different Jesus than their congregation was expecting. And that's a difficult place when you have such a mismatch. But any number of us, we could go to different texts, and we could come up with different Jesuses almost, and then we have a different set of expectations based on that. Some of those expectations we could name pretty explicitly. Some of those expectations about Jesus, well, we can't name. We hold them, but we couldn't articulate them very well. But the difficulty, especially with those unspoken expectations, is that they cause a lot of frustration Right. We've seen that happen in lighthearted things where you have some expectation and then reality doesn't quite match. It's the restaurant that everyone's raving about. It's got all kinds of great reviews. You just got to go try it. And then you go. The service is a little slow. 
the food's not that great, and you wonder if it's really just a backdrop for Instagram influencers and not really big on the food itself, and it didn't live up to those expectations. Or the movie that you just got to go see, everyone's talking about it, and so you go watch the movie, and when it's done, you think probably the best two or three minutes of the movie were in the trailer, <laughs> and nothing else quite, <laughs> quite matched up. Or maybe you've been to a vacation spot and all the photos online were beautiful, glossy photos. The pool was empty. There was plenty of room for you there. The rooms were nicely redone. And then you get there and the pool's full of lots and lots of kids. You can't get there. Your room's not nice. Just didn't live up to it. The other thing that is true is that we all thought it would be great to get a like a puppy during COVID. Everybody thought that was a great idea. Oh, it'll be fun. It'll be easy. And maybe. Maybe for some it did. Maybe for some it didn't. But we've seen what happens when we have these expectations that don't turn out to be true. Now, that was some lighthearted material, but you've seen this happen in more serious ways, too, that are hard. So... You look at a job description and you're prayerfully considering a new opportunity. And you see those bullet points and you think, yeah, I could spend my time doing that. This sounds great. And then a few years later, you're not getting to spend much time doing any of those things that sounded great. And you've got a whole uh, list of other duties that have been dumped onto you. And that job just has not matched up. Or you stood at the altar and you made promises to one another and you envisioned this life together that was going to be wonderful and great and full of blessings. And then down the road, it's just a lot of conflict and a lot of strife. Or you imagined what it would be like to start a family. You had these dreams what it would be like to watch children grow up and all the successes they might enjoy. And maybe even their faithfulness to the Lord as they got older. And well, as the years went on, that didn't really pan out. That's difficult when those expectations don't match. So this phrase that you see has become a favorite of mine. I heard, I've heard several people say it. I heard Wade say it on his, in his last sermon. And it's so true. Expectations are often uh, premeditated resentments. We don't mean them to be, but we set them up. Sometimes we don't tell anybody we've set them up. And then they don't happen. And then we're resentful. When I was working on uh, this sermon, I was sitting in a coffee shop. And eavesdropping, as one does, sitting at the coffee shops with people around. And um, I, I heard a young woman, I think she had been recently married. And she was there like visiting with a mentor. And I heard her, her say something like, you know, I think thought I knew what it would be like to be married, but I, I didn't know what it would be like to share a bathroom. Like that, was her, that was her disappointment, her resentment. They had not worked that arrangement out before they got married. But it is true. Expectations are often premeditated resentments. So what I want to do is take us to a passage in Scripture where someone had some expectations about Jesus that Jesus wasn't quite living up to in this person's mind. So we're going to go to the book of Matthew. And we're going to look at John the Baptist and see what he thought Jesus was going to be like and how that didn't match. And maybe some things we can learn from that. We're going to be in Matthew 11 eventually, but we've got to do a few things 
along the way to get us there. We've got to set the story. So in Matthew chapter 3, we find John the Baptist preaching to prepare the way for Jesus. And I just want to highlight a few of the things that John the Baptist says. So first, to the crowds in Matthew 3, 2, and 3, he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And then when the Pharisees and Sadducees show up, look what he says. 3.10, the axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Pretty stark wording, because he's directing that at them. And then look what he says about Jesus. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So we can read this and we can begin to see what John thinks Jesus is going to do. John's Jesus is pretty vivid and startling. Here's what John's Jesus does. He wields a winnowing fork. He clears the threshing floor. He burns off the chaff. So John anticipates Jesus coming essentially to clean house and take names. John's Jesus is going to clear out all the problem people by force and finally fix things for the people of Israel. Now, we know that's not what Jesus really ends up doing. So where's John getting this? Is he just making up this idea of what he thinks Jesus is going to do? Is he, is he preaching out of turn? Well, we could go look at scriptures in the Old Testament and even, even other literature that John would have been familiar with that talked about the hopes for the Messiah. And John's not getting this out of nowhere. These are the kinds of things that ancient texts were talking about as they predicted the Messiah. They said that the Messiah would come to shatter unrighteous rulers and purify Jerusalem and drive out sinners and destroy the lawless. John's not making this up. He's getting his expectations from Scripture and from other teachings that are circulating at the time. And he puts this into practice, this purifying mode. When we go to Matthew 4, one more quick stop on the way, we find out that John has been put in prison. Now, Matthew doesn't tell us much of the rest of that story, but we might know it from other Gospels and other writings where John sticks up for what he would believe is, and what we might say is, correct morality and gets himself thrown in prison. And he's thinking, I did the right thing. I, you know, burned up some chaff and I landed myself in prison. So what's Jesus going to do about that? And then we come to our key text. Matthew 11, verses 2 through 6, where we're going to read about John's expectations. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, 
Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So here's John peering out from the prison bars, reading about a Messiah who's going to come and make things right, reading about a Messiah who's supposed to come and set the captives free. You know John's sitting there going, hey, I've got a good candidate for a captive you could set free. Right here. And so John is going, hey, I I thought you'd be doing more of these things. So are you really the Messiah or is there someone else coming? Because my expectations are not matching the reality of what I see you doing. These deeds that John hears of. So when John questions Jesus' identity, Jesus responds by listing miracles and healings. Jesus says, well, here's your answer. The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed. The deaf can hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are hearing the good news. And I don't think that's the answer John wanted to hear. I think John would probably have wanted to hear something more like, oh, no, no, just wait, John, wait another week or so, and then the winnowing will begin. I'm going to burn up some chaff like you've never seen before. Just, just, Just give me another minute or two. That's what I think John wants to hear. Jesus saying, I'll get around to your expectations, just, you know. Just wait a little bit longer. That's not what Jesus says. But Jesus is working from his own set of texts, and he's got backing for what he's doing. And we can read all about the Messiah Jesus is in the book of Isaiah. Jesus' proof of his identity as the Messiah is rooted in Scripture. Here's what he says, uh, or excuse me, here is what Isaiah says that Jesus is alluding to in Isaiah 35, 5. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped? Then will the lame leap like the deer and the mute tongue shout for joy? And then a verse we might recognize from Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives And release from darkness for the prisoners. Jesus is not living up to John's expectations. But Jesus has his own definition of who he will be. You've had those moments where Jesus hasn't lived up to the expectations you set for him. Whether you're getting those from good places or not, we've all had them. About two years into our marriage, Aubrey and I had a season where we were very disillusioned. With our faith. In the span of just a couple of months, we had two pretty difficult things happen in our lives. Uh, The first was that we were celebrating with family that we were going to have a baby. And so we told, you know, a small circle of people, and we're really excited about that. And a few weeks later, Aubrey woke up from a nap and said, Something feels wrong. And by the end of the weekend, we were no longer going to have a baby. And I thought, but we prayed all weekend for that. Like, I know that we're not guaranteed that. I know, but come on. And then just a few weeks later, my otherwise healthy and 
relatively young grandfather, seemingly out of nowhere, gets diagnosed with a terminal brain tumor. And so for two years, it was treatments that, you know, helped a little bit, but eventually he passed away. And that was just news out of nowhere. And I just thought, this is not how this is supposed to work, Jesus. I mean, I know there's no formula, and I know that I'm not guaranteed good things, but still, I had set this expectation that these kinds of things, like, that's not two in a row. Come on. And I, I know that you have felt that too. I know that you've had times when you've thought, I see all these wicked people getting away with doing bad things and exploiting people and lying. And when is Jesus going to do something about that? Doesn't he care about that? I'm praying over and over again for this health concern for me or someone I love. And what is going on? My expectations of what Jesus should do to answer my prayer the way I want it answered, well, they're just not getting met. I'm trying to live a good life. I'm trying to make good choices. And yet all the blessings seem to be happening to someone else. My expectations are not being met. And you just think, man, is just like John thought, is this as good as it gets? Have things kind of topped out? Does it get any better? So here's what I want to invite us to, to think of. I, this is a big subject of why these things happen. I'm not tackling that. But in this season of thinking of the coming of Jesus, what if we leaned into the promise? The promise that Jesus is the Messiah and that he has come into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. What if we could lean into the promise instead of our expectations? What if John could have trusted that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah, instead of saying, here's my expectations, and if you meet them, then maybe I'll agree that you're the Messiah. What if we, as we look at the Christmas season and we anticipate the coming of Christ, we relive that? What if we could just lean into the promise and trust that instead of all of our lists of expectations. Let me pray for us. God, you are beyond our ways. Your knowledge is more than we can fathom, and you do things in your own time. But we have things that we expect. We have ways we expect you to act and and things we expect you to do. And sometimes those things are selfish, but sometimes they're not. And yet, just like John, we find ourselves wondering if really Jesus is who he said he was. We pray that you would give us the trust. The trust to know that he is the promised one and to let that be enough. And we pray this in his name. Amen.